Christmas, everybody. Great to see you. I want to welcome everybody. We're so glad you're here. And thanks for making River Glen a part of your weekend and part of your Christmas. I think this is the most exciting time of the year, isn't it? I think it's the, the best time of the year, the best month of the year. All the football that's on, basketball too, and, and it's Christmas uh, also. But uh, Christmas is an exciting time of the year. We bring out the good stuff for Christmas. I mean, think about music. I mean, you will listen to people uh, this time of the year. You'll listen to music. You won't listen to any other time of the year. Perry Como and Andy Williams and the Muppets. I mean, this is the one time of the year where you can have Lady Gaga and Miss Piggy on your playlist and nobody asks you anything about it. You know, it's like it's Christmas. You know, it makes sense. And then there's movies. There's a lot of great Christmas movies uh, this time of the year. I'm sure many of us, I'm sure you have a favorite Christmas movie. In fact, I want to hear, I want to know what your Christmas, favorite Christmas movie is. On the count of three, I want you to just yell out your favorite Christmas movie. One, two, three. Mine too. Mine too. Yeah. I think I heard Elf. I think I heard Home Alone. I think I heard The Grinch. I didn't hear Die Hard, you know. That's a Christmas movie. There's a Christmas tree in there. Yeah, check it out. Check the film out. You can yell that one out too. But whatever the case, there's a lot of great Christmas movies. Christmas has a way of bringing out all the good stuff, and something that Christmas really brings out are the lights. I mean, everybody loves Christmas lights. Some people love lights on their house. Uh, some people love lights on other people's houses. But I'm just amazed at what people do with lights in our neighborhood, in Waukesha, and in Candy Cane Lane over in West Dallas. I mean, people just light it up. And I don't know if they're worshiping Jesus or Edison, but it's just, it's just awesome to see. In fact, I went ahead, I went online, and I Googled bad Christmas light displays because there's some bad ones out there. Yeah, like this one uh, right here. That's a Ford Focus. And I don't know if this guy is crazy or maybe he's onto something new. Maybe this is a new tradition that he's got right here. He's even got the reindeer on top. Now, I get that. I used to have a Ford Focus, and that's in case the engine breaks down. Rudolph with the red nose is going guide, to guide him the rest of the way. And then uh, here's another one, uh, this one here. Uh, this one's really crazy. It's like they just took a bunch of stuff and threw it outside and hoped it would turn into something. Got a wad of lights right here. Got a creepy panda snowman. <laughs> I have no idea what that is. It's just crazy. But here's my favorite one. This guy goes all out here. This guy, ditto. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know? Yeah, you can spend $1,000 on your electric bill. I'm going to spend five bucks. You know? That's perfect. That's great. Uh, right there. But there's just something about lights this time of the year that we love. We put lights on our house, on our tree. Some people wear lights around their neck. We sing songs about light, light and life to all he brings. And we talk about how God used light in the Christmas story to guide the wise men to Jesus and to grab the attention of the shepherds. There's something about Christmas that makes us get really focused on light. And I think it's partly because we know what it's like to walk in darkness. And maybe for some of us, the events of this past year have made this Christmas a little bit darker. Maybe it's the darkness of anger and hatred that just fills our news every day, like what happened in Germany. You know, maybe it's the darkness of the deep racial divide in our country. Maybe it's the darkness of political conflict in our nation's capital, where people seem more interested in pointing fingers than solving problems. Maybe it's the darkness of getting a bad test result from the doctor. Maybe it's the darkness of going through this Christmas without someone that you would normally have with you. Maybe it's the darkness of an impending divorce or bankruptcy 
or depression or anxiety, and you're just struggling through this year, and all is not calm, all is not bright. But that's why the Christmas story is so important. That's why we need to talk about this every year, because the birth of Jesus brings light into our dark world. Today, I want to focus on how God lit up the night sky over a shepherd's field 2,000 years ago. I mean, think about it. The Son of God is born, God in the flesh, the Savior of the world, but he goes unnoticed. I mean, nobody knows about it, so how will God make the birth known? And this is before Twitter, you know, this is before Facebook. How is God going to spread the word? You'd think he'd probably communicate to the religious leaders or maybe to the uh, influential leaders in the community or maybe the emperor of Rome. But instead, God lights up the night sky and announces the birth of Jesus to a group of shepherds and their life changes forever. And so does ours. Here's what we know about shepherds. Uh, they were pretty lonely. They only knew each other and their sheep. They had a pretty difficult job. Uh, sheep are not the smartest animals, and they would get stuck. They would get hurt. Wild animals would try to kill them. People would try to steal them. And so shepherds had to stay on guard, protecting their sheep, keeping track of them, especially at night. And into that darkness, God announces that he's come to earth to these lonely shepherds. It says that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and here's the light, the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. I want you to notice how even though the news surprises the shepherds, it's very, very focused news. It's good news that brings great joy. I mean, think about this. Think about what the angel didn't say to the shepherds. The angel didn't say, everybody's in big trouble. Straighten up or stop sinning. No, that's not good news. That's not even new news. Pretty much every religion teaches that. It's got to be better than that. The good news is that today a Savior is born, and the Savior is Lord now, when we read the word Lord, you know, we read that and we move on. But in the first century, the Jewish people, that word was very significant. Because the word Lord that's used here, it means the one true living God. The great I am. The God who is. He's come to earth. Christ is born. And Christ is Lord. And then more angels show up. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of other angels, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom heaven is, is pleased. You know, I love this because they take it up a level. It begins with one angel, but then a, a whole bunch of angels light up the sky and they burst into singing because they just can't contain themselves. The news is so good. And the angels had waited for so long to make this announcement. For years, they watched as humanity struggled with faith and doubt. For years, the angels watched as humans, as humanity struggled, thinking God is distant and far away. And finally, they're so excited to make this announcement. That's why it starts with one angel, but then the rest of the angels can't contain themselves, and they light up the sky, and they just burst into singing, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth. The news is so good, they can't hold back. And then it says, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. 
they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and, and what the child had said to them about this, what the angel had said to them about this child. It's as if the excitement of the angels inspired the shepherds, and they decided, let's go see this child. Let's tell everybody about it because everybody needs to hear the good news. The Savior is here. Not just Israel's Savior, the Savior of the world. Now, there's so much about this story that is significant for our lives uh, today. First of all, it's very significant that God chose to announce the birth of Jesus to the shepherds first. I mean, shepherds were like outcasts in that society. They didn't get very many dinner party invitations. They didn't get very many wedding invitations. I love that about this story because if you've ever felt like you don't belong in church or that God isn't for you, remember, he came first to the shepherds because God is for everybody. This good news is for everyone. It's also significant that these shepherds go immediately. They didn't say, well, let's go check it out some other time. You know, let's go check it out some other day. No, they hear the message from God and they say, let's go and act on this immediately. But I think there's something going on here that's even bigger. I think it's hugely significant that these shepherds are located in Bethlehem, which is just outside of, of Jerusalem. Do you know that Bethlehem is only five miles outside of Jerusalem, about the same distance as here, from the city, as here to the city of, of Waukesha? And do you know what kind of sheep they're watching? They're not watching the kind of sheep that will grow up and be, become somebody's pet. They're not watching the kind of sheep that become somebody's dinner. They're watching sacrificial sheep. Because Jewish people would pass by and they would pick out one of these lambs to take to the temple in Jerusalem to sacrifice for their sin. They're literally watching the sacrifices that people used for their sin while the sacrifice for all of sin is born in Bethlehem. Now here's why I find this so significant because how religious would you feel if you were the one taking care of sacrificial sheep? I mean, these guys were right outside Jerusalem taking care of sacrificial lambs. They had to feel like they were right around the work of God. But you know what? There's nothing that indicates that they felt like they had a real connection to God. There's nothing that indicates that they would offer these sacrificial lambs for themselves, which shows us how it's highly possible to be around the work of God without knowing God. Anybody know what that's like? Maybe you grew up in a home where your parents, I mean, they always went to church. Or, or, or maybe your grandmother always read, you know, out loud from the family Bible. And you knew what it was like to be around people that knew God, but you didn't know God. Maybe you grew up going to a Christian school or a Catholic school and you learned some verses. Or you learned when to stand up or sit down and when to kneel and pray. You were around a lot of godly people and you heard a lot of godly teaching but you never became godly yourself. Maybe you spent a little time, you know, here and there in church on Christmas or Easter or Mother's Day, and you feel like you know some of the songs and you know some of the traditions, but you might just know some things about God and not really know God. What I think is significant about this story is that God chooses to come and rattle the cage of those who may have felt like they knew a lot of things about God but never really knew him. I think that's significant this Christmas. I think there's probably many of us that, you know, show up here dressed up, <clears throat> know the part, 
go through the motions. But truth be told, we're around the work of God. We know some things about God, but we don't really know God. You can't pinpoint a place and time where you really gave your life to Jesus. Here's my fear for many of us this Christmas. We may know a little bit about Christmas Eve services and even Santa prayer before Christmas dinner, but it's kind of like we're five miles outside of Jerusalem and we know a little bit about God, but we don't really know God. Here's what it took for the shepherds. They finally get up from where they were and they go and see him and they make their faith their own because there's a big difference between knowing about God and knowing God. What the shepherds point out to us in their understanding is the difference between two words, the big difference between two words, religion and relationship. Religion is about ritual. Relationship is about real. Religion is about I have to. Relationship is I get to. Religion is I earned it. Relationship, it was given to me. And I think the tendency for us, even though we may not consider ourselves to be religious people, is to put God on a list of things to check off and be religious about, even though we may not consider ourselves to be that way. And so if you ever find yourself going through the motions, you might be a little bit religious. If you ever found yourself thinking, you know, if I don't go to church for Christmas, God's going to get mad at me and it's going to ruin 2017, you might think a little bit religiously. If you ever find yourself maybe today yelling at your family to get in the car to go to church and your kids scream back, why do we have to go to church? We never go to church. And you said, because it's Christmas and that's what we do. You might be a bit religious. If you've ever taken out your Bible and put your hand on it and started to pray during the halftime of a football game, not going your way, you and I might have something in common. <laughs> But we might be a bit religious. See, there's a difference between knowing about God and knowing God. There's a difference between being around the work of God and being a part of it. There's a big, big difference between religion and relationship. And so here's my proposal to you this Christmas. What do you say we do a little gift exchange and give back religion and have a relationship, receive a relationship? And the angels tell us exactly what that looks like. They say it this way, I bring you good news that'll bring great joy to all people. You know, right there we see what this process is gonna look like to make this gift exchange. And it begins when we receive the good news and we make it our, our own, not just to know about it, not just to know the facts of the story, but to receive the gift as our own. You know, the truth is, you know, probably today or, and, and tomorrow, many of us are gonna give a lot of gifts and receive a lot of gifts. And many of them are gonna be really good gifts that we're gonna en enjoy, but Maybe you'll get a, a bad gift. I'm probably not going to call it, you know, a bad gift. We want to be grateful for our gifts. But, you know, eventually you probably will receive a, a bad gift. In fact, Jimmy Fallon for the last few years has had a hashtag, worst gift ever, where people admit the worst Christmas gift they've ever received. And some of these are, are just priceless. Hopefully these, none of these um, were yours. Like this one here. I got a $25 Starbucks gift card, and there was only $10 on it. That's awesome, isn't it? Here's another one. Last Christmas, my grandma gave me a check and dated it 12-23-2018. I've got to wait four more years <laughs> to cash it. That is one smart grandma right there. And then one more. My husband made me a mixed CD. I thought it was a thoughtful gift until I noticed it included the thrill is gone. <laughs> That's a fail. Epic fail. 
Here's the point. The greatest gift that you will receive, that we will receive this Christmas or any Christmas, is Jesus. And while many of us, you know, nod along with that, the truth is that over the course of this year, we're going to have a voice in our head that is going to be singing, the thrill is gone, rather than joy to the world. Because many of us have a tendency to think our best days are behind us. We have a tendency to think that there's, there's no hope in sight. Many of us tend to think we walk alone through this world. But that's not the good news. The good news is that a Savior has come, not just to save us from our sin, but also to walk through this life with you. The good news is not that you're going to live a problem-free life. The good news is as you go through those problems, you're not alone because the Savior of the world has come. The good news is that he's with you while you walk through the difficulty of life, while you walk through the difficulty of financial troubles, while you walk through the difficulty of raising children, while you walk through the difficulty of dealing with illnesses. And he's with you through the valley of the shadow of death. And when you step into eternity, when you walk into eternity, he is with you. That's the good news. But more than acknowledged, it has to be received. And here's what happens when we decide to make Jesus the leader and the forgiver of our lives and receive that good news. You get to respond with great joy. You see, the, the, the issue with, with religion is that it's all about routine. And Christmas can become very routine. We, you know, we do the same things. We eat the same things. We listen to the same things. And the same can be true about Christmas cards. They can become very routine. Have you ever sent maybe a Christmas card out of uh, routine, or maybe you felt guilty. Uh, maybe you received a Christmas card from somebody, and then you felt like, well, I better send them one if you hadn't initially. A professor from Salt Lake City did a little social experiment because he believed that many people send Christmas cards because they feel like they should because someone sent them one. And so here's what he did. He sent out 600 Christmas cards to people he didn't know to see what would happen. And 117 people sent him back a Christmas card, even though they didn't know him. And some of the responses were really amazing. Like, look at this one here. I just got out of the hospital, and how great it was to hear from a longtime wonderful friend <laughs> that I don't even know. And, and, then, and then this one, it's really great to hear from you again. We'll be in Salt Lake City this summer. And if you have a room to spare, we'd love to stay a few days. <laughs> it's amazing what happens when we slip into ritual and routine. And many of us feel like, you know, that's our life, just a, just a routine, day in and day out. But I want you to notice the shepherds. They go back to work. They go back to feeling like the lowest citizens. They go back to their dead-end jobs. But something changes. Something is different. Look at what the scripture says. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Here's what this tells me. Christmas means everything in your life can change, even if nothing externally changes, because your perspective changes, because you've got great joy, because you have the good news that God is with you. You might feel stuck in a dead-end job. You might hate your job, but once you begin to see that God is walking with you, you can live with joy. You might feel stuck in a, in a marriage. Your marriage might feel like it's failing despite your best efforts. But suddenly you realize the good news that God is with you and you can live with joy. You might feel stuck in loneliness. But you remember the good news and, and, and it just fills you 
with great joy. You see, there's a, a, a big difference between knowing the facts about the story and receiving the gift of the story. And that's because God has come and we're not alone and we can live with great joy. Now, I know that whenever we, you know, talk about this, there's always some pushback to this message. People will say, well, you don't, you know, that may be true for you. That may be true for other people, but it's not true for me. You know, you don't know what I did. You don't know what I've done. Uh, You don't know the things that I shouted at my kids, you know, to get them to come here today. You don't know what kind of person I am. And you're right, I don't, but it's, I still know it's for you. And the reason that I know it's for you is because of verses like this next one. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Would you say this word with me? Whoever. What, what, what does whoever mean? It means whoever, anybody, everybody. When my kids were really little and they would have to be in car seats, we would be out driving around. And my wife might say, well, I need to stop at the store and get something. I'd pull up and she'd say, I'm going to run in. You can just stay here and, uh, with the kids. And I would, I would gladly uh, say, no problem. And so I would sit in the car with the kids and we would just sit there and we would watch the automatic door at the grocery, at the grocery store. And, uh, you know, wondering, will the next person be mom? And, and sometimes I'd make it a little game and I would say to the kids, you know, do you think the next person is going to be mom? And a kid with a skateboard and a Gatorade would walk out and the kids would say, no, that's not mom. And then a guy with a big old Duck Dynasty beard walks out. No, that's not mom. And the little game would pass the time. But here's what I noticed about that door. It was a whoever kind of door. It opened for whoever. All that you had to do is get close enough. And our God is a whoever kind of God. And all you have to do is get close enough. The scriptures teach the moment that we take a step toward him, He comes running toward us. And that is far better than religion. That is a relationship with your creator. And many people in this church have discovered, you know, this relationship, this great uh, gift. And I want you to hear from one of them. So take a look at the screens. My name is Tracy Payne. Um, I started coming here to River Glen full-time in April of this year. Um going through a lot of changes in my life that brought me here to River Glen. I was baptized Catholic um, because I got married in a Catholic church. So in order to be married in the Catholic church, I had to be baptized in the Catholic church. So it was just formalities. Um, The Catholic church was really not a, I don't know, good fit for me. It was more, they tell you when to stand, when to sit, when to talk, when to kneel what to believe, um, go with God, have a nice day. Over the years, um, uh, my brother is a member of this church and his family is a member of this church. Uh, So when we came home here to Waukesha to visit, um, we would join them here at River Glen. Um, Listening to to Ben at that time was still, hey, that's that's interesting, but it was still just another formality of of joining, you know, my brother's family here at at River Glen. it really started for me probably two years ago. I lost my wife, um, actually right around Christmas. So this time of the season is very difficult for me. Um, a lot of unanswered questions. You know, why is this happening? Why are you taking her? She's a wonderful woman. She didn't do anything wrong. Um, 
you know, she's been so grateful, my rock, you know, for 20-some years. Um, a lot of difficulty through that time, but having family that understands those feelings with my brother, his wife, his children, they were there to support me. Not only them, but found out later that other members of River Glen were praying for me as well. And when I realized that, that me, you know, a, a non-religious person, a non-believer, that there are other people out there praying for me in, in my stability, um, was very heartening. My niece, Emily, was a very big factor into bringing me to River Glen. Um, I started coming here on a regular basis, listening to Ben and his services, and really started to open my eyes. And then my brother Gary offered the Alpha program that's here at River Glen. One of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. That's where things started to turn around for me. There was a, a point in the class, the biggest turning point for me was when they showed us a, a portrait or a picture of uh, Jesus standing outside a cottage. And on the door was no handle. Basically what it came down to is that if you want to let Jesus into your life, you are the one that needs to open that door. That's when it hit. I need to open the door to accept Jesus. I don't think without that class that I would be where I am today. And I'm going to take another step in, in my path and I'm going to be baptized this coming weekend. I'm going to be baptized not only for myself to start over and rebuild, but also starting over for my family and for the people at River Glen who have supported me in the last two years. The relationship with God right now at this point is, is still very new to me. I still have so much to learn, but with accepting Jesus and God now, I know that I have a path. I'm gonna be guided on that path. And to be guided into that, that path, it's a long road. And I'm looking forward to, to taking that road. You have to open the door and let Jesus into your life. And until you make that move, there's gonna be a lot of unanswered questions. Tracy made that exchange. He gave back religion, and he received the gift of, of relationship. How about you? You ready to make that exchange? You ready to give back religion, have a relationship with God? To move beyond just knowing the facts about the story to knowing the one who came. Now, I know that probably some of us in the room, we've never really heard very much about a relationship with Jesus. Maybe that's new for you. Maybe you've never really had the opportunity to begin a relationship with Jesus, but maybe you want to change that. Maybe you want to begin a relationship with him. We would love to have a conversation with you about what that looks like. Maybe you came with some people. Maybe some people brought you to church today, and they would love to have a conversation with you. If you want to talk with one of us, we'll be at the Resource Center right outside the, the main doors to the auditorium. In the video, you saw uh, Tracy get baptized because in the New Testament, when people would make a decision to, to begin a relationship with Jesus, they would express that decision through baptism. 
And so, you know, what we did, we went ahead and just filled up our baptistry. We heated it up. We've got everything you need. We've got towels. We've got, we've got clothing. And so, you know, if you want to do that today, we would love to do that for you. Just stop by the Resource Center and let us know. What better time to do it than Christmas? Others of us here have already made that exchange. We've exchanged religion for relationship. We started a relationship with Jesus in the past. But you know what? Maybe over this past year... We've kind of drifted back into routine and going through the motions and religion. And I want to encourage you over these next few moments as we share a time of communion to open your heart like those shepherds and renew your acceptance of the good news and your response of great joy. Our communion is open to anybody who says yes to the gift of, of Jesus. Communion reminds us that baby Jesus, he grew up and one day he went to a cross to remove every single barrier so that you and I can have a relationship with God now and forever. The bread represents his body, the juice represents his, his, his blood. I'm gonna say a prayer and then the ushers are gonna pass the communion trays and I wanna, I wanna ask you to uh, hold the cup. Hold the cup and after it gets distributed, I'm gonna come back up and lead us and we'll take it together. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for Christmas. Thank you for coming to this earth as a baby and growing up and experiencing everything that we experience in life so that you can really understand us and encourage us and help us walk through our lives and the difficulties that we face. And thank you most of all for Jesus going to the cross, removing every barrier so that we can live in relationship with you now and forever. God, thank you for coming to be with us so that we have this good news that brings great joy. In Jesus' name, amen.